Okay, so today we're going to talk about, let me just grab my water. Today we're going to talk about generosity. One of the things we promised ourselves this year was we're going to take two times this year um, to talk about being generous. Um, there's going to be different people who hear this message. Like every time Jesus preached, every time anyone in the church preached, any time preachers preach, there's always hearts are in different places, right? Some people hear messages and they rejoice in it. They said, okay, I love hearing this. This is the scriptures. I want to be encouraged and mature in the scriptures. Some people are in partial obedience, so God is doing something in them. So the scriptures, they hear them, all of a sudden they say, you know what? God has been leading me this way, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk in full obedience. Some people will be totally upset and just say, I don't want to hear it. Like, that's why Jesus always said, him who has an ear, let him hear. Because when Jesus preached, it always split the crowd. Because you have different hearts and different people. Some people want to hear the words of Scripture. Some people want to hear truth. Some people don't. That's okay. See, what preachers fall into today is we try to preach something that no one gets offended. And everyone's happy about it. And everyone's tweeting it. And everyone's like, this guy's awesome. That's not good preaching. Preaching should challenge our heart and our mind. It should encourage us in truth. And where we're not standing with God, we should even have to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to rebel against God. I'm going to go with God. Amen. Does that make sense to everyone? That's what good preaching should do to us. And that's what you want. We're Bostonians, right? We're from this area. We want the truth. We can handle the truth and we'll make our decision. We'll make our decision from there. We'll either love you or hate you, but you'll know. Right? And so that's what we want to happen today with generosity. We're going to talk about giving. It's the only second time in our three-year history we've talked about it. But it's something that's essential to our health. It's something to essential to our health as a church. And this is the big idea I want you to hear. Generosity fuels the church. And it fuels the gospel. And lives are changed when people are generous. I remember um, a little over three years ago, I felt like God was calling me to plant this church. Okay? And so I had to raise money. And so, you know what the hardest place, hardest place in the whole country to plant churches is? Where you are right here. In Time Magazine, they said, don't plant a church here. Even them Southern brothers come up here, 99% of them go home like, there's something wrong with these people. You know? Like, you don't plant churches up here. And one of the reasons you don't plant churches is because people aren't generous. We're the second least behind New Hampshire. We're the second cheapest uh, state in the country, which is cheap up here. Right? We're the least charitable. Our money's our money. We hold it like Lord of the Rings, kind of like all of my precious. Like, we're weird. You know? And so you don't fundraise around here. It just doesn't happen. You don't fundraise. And so I remember one day after church, I just got the, red, uh, the green light, go start fundraising, asking people for money. This guy was waiting to give me the first check, and I wasn't expecting it. I came out of church. He walked up to me and gave me a $500 check. He said, I wanted to be the first. Am I the first one who gave the Restoration Road? I remember being blown away, like, someone gave money to this? <laughs> like, it legitimized the fact that there was a vision in my heart and my mind and that people believed in the vision because you, when you believe in something, you back it up with your generosity. And I was like, $500, what are you doing? <laughs> and I remember feeling so much joy that someone was that generous. His name was Michael James. I'll never forget. He moved to Florida. And I told Natalie, I said, Natalie, someone gave money to this thing. They believe in the vision of Restoration Road. And I was so happy. And uh, you know how much money I've led and raised over the past three years? 
People who aren't even part of this church that want to see this church succeed. I've raised over $150,000 personally. And just raised another 40000 for the next three years. Just so this vision can happen. Because I know that we need time. I know you don't plan a church and have a $300,000 budget. That doesn't happen. You know, one time we found a receipt in the offering box. I was like, really? You went to Ace Hardware, but you couldn't give anything? You don't plan churches without money. In this, I want you guys to hear that this generous people, generous churches outside this church have given over $150,000 and it's going towards 200000 because I meet with someone every week to raise money for this church. I'm talking mega church pastors that these southern brothers, they sit me down and I'm just like, help the cause, man. Help the cause. So I want you guys to hear that, that generosity has fueled the existence of Restoration Road. There is no Restoration Road unless people outside who believe in Jesus and love the gospel and love the advancement of it gave to this church. It's not running on kindness. People love that. It's just kind. We're just kind currency. Like, that's not happening. There's people who are giving money to back up this mission. You know, we're going to continue to give money. But you know what we need to do as a church? And we're heading in a good direction. We need to keep getting generous so we're self-sustainable. We can't keep relying on outside generosity to run this church. It is our responsibility. It is our church. And we are responsible for the message of the gospel and for caring for people and loving people and getting that message out. And that only happens when we are tremendously generous. Cheap churches die. Generous churches flourish. Do you guys hear me with that? We need to hear this thing. Because there's a disconnect with us. We think that God doesn't care about our money. We really believe that. Then we realize that God preached on money. Jesus himself preached on money more than heaven and hell. Jesus. Because he knows that money is attached to our hearts. And where someone spends their money is where their heart is. That's where their treasure is. That's why he said you can't serve God in money. You can't do it. It's impossible. The human soul is so greedy that you can't serve God in money. You've got to love the one and hate the other. For roots of all kinds of evil are the love of money. Money is crucial to your spiritual vitality. I want you guys to hear that today. People who are cheap don't get the gospel. You just don't. If you're cheap and not generous, you don't get the gospel. And that's truth. Remember when we started, we want to hear this stuff? So let's turn to, we're going to read 2 Corinthians It just got real quiet in here. Maybe the cheap thing I said, I don't know. I want to read this from the Apostle Paul written in the Holy Scriptures. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you guys hear that? When a church is generous, we abound in good works. I want to be part of a successful church, don't you? I see churches filled with a bunch of people that are selling their building. Because people don't get generosity. Successful churches are generous and they abound in every good work because they sow bountifully so they reap bountifully. I want to sow. I want to be generous. Do you know we already give to church plants, even though we're not fully self-sustainable? 
Do you know that 3% of our budget goes to mercy and we've already given it all away? Like we make sure 13% of our budget goes out of here, given away, sold into the work of God. Because we want to be generous right out the get-go. Because we realize churches that just think about themselves die. But when you're generous, you're blessed. So we're going to talk about where giving came from. Because I think a lot of people think it's like a, a man-made thing. Like a priest who needed money one time said, let's all get together. Come here. We're going to tell them to give money. We're going to talk about where that started. We're going to talk about how do we work through how much we give. And talk about the reward of being a cheerful giver. So let's start with this, the context. Generosity is birthed out of an understanding of the gospel. So when you get the gospel, you're a generous person. So the context here is this. The Apostle Paul was traveling around all the local churches. And what happened in the church in Macedonia, they were a poor church, but they were tremendously generous. And this is the first thing I want to hear. Everyone claims, like, I'm poor, I can't give money. 99% of the time, it's not true. You're richer than 99% of the people in the world. Number two, the church was built on poor people who gave out of their lack and gave more. And Paul says, Apostle Paul says, the church of Macedonia gave from being poor, overflowed, and they were generous so we could advance the gospel. And he's writing this church of Corinthians, and he's saying, you got to be generous like them, because I know you get the gospel, so I need you to get this. Myth number one, I can't give because I'm poor. The church was built on poor people. A church is successful. A church is generous when both rich people give and both poor people give. And both people who are in the middle give. Do you guys hear me? No one's exempt from that. Like people always say, you got to be careful. Some people have no money. I've been pastoring for a long time, and that is only right in 1% of the time. The other percent of the time, people are frivolous. They're running up credit card debt. They're paying. They're going on vacation. They're buying things they shouldn't do, so they don't have money for God. That's the truth, guys. I'm sorry. That's, that's reality. Statistics show that. That's reality. It's not that we're poor, it's that we're not getting the depth of the gospel. I remember one of the cheapest men I ever met in my life came up to me. He used to be part of this church, he's not part of it anymore. He came up to me, I preached on money. And he said to me, you know, Joey, because he don't want to hear about money, because he's Gollum. He says, we need a lot of people that get a lot of money. It's just not going to work. You need a lot of people. So if we want to grow, we just need a lot of people. Now, I understand the principle. But the truth is, we could have 200 cheap people in here, and our offering could suffer. Do you know that we have bigger giving when we have less people here? We can't figure it out. Me and George, what the heck happened? There were 70 people here. There was like 250 bucks in the offering. What happened? Then we're like, man, it was a great service today, but there's only 40 people. Why is there $2,000 in offering? Do you guys know that? Because it's not about more people. It's about the people who are here being generous. It's a lie. It's not true. We gotta get these myths out of our mind. We gotta stop looking and say, well, we need other rich people to come who are generous. No, we need to get generous. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching? Let's get through these myths and lies. We need to be more generous. This is our church. If you're called here, God's uniquely called you to be part of this church to fund this church. Right? That's a huge responsibility and it's a huge honor and there's a huge reward in there. So Apostle Paul appeals like this. He uses the gospel. He says in the prior um, chapter, he says, Jesus, though he was fully rich, became poor so that we could have everything. So he appeals to the gospel and says this. Jesus was rich. Now, I need us to help understand this kind of currency. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who is God, who has always existed, who the whole world was made through him, is seated, seated in high places. All the heavenly hosts worshiping him every day, day and night. 
He's rich beyond measure. He's rich beyond glory. Looking at the beauty of heaven every day, he is God. But in that richness, he chooses to practice generosity and gives all of that away. He lays all that down and comes to earth as a humble, poor carpenter who gives everything, exemplifying and modeling generosity for all of us. Do you guys hear? We had nothing, and he gave us all the riches we could imagine. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, this reason is I encourage you to be generous, because your Savior modeled generosity. Though he was rich, he became poor. Do you guys hear that? When we're always thinking through money, we should say, how can I give more? How can I care more? How can I advance the gospel more? So start there. That's the first point. Generosity is birthed out of understanding the gospel. Okay, is this a man-made thing? Did money-hungry preachers make this up so they could take your loot and go home and go to Disney World? Like, is this where this came from? Let me tell you something. Since the inception of the people of God, all the way back to Cain and Abel. Think of the story of Cain and Abel. Everyone's heard that, right? What did Cain and Abel do? They brought their currency to, before God. You know, Abel brought the first fruit. Now hear this. His first lamb. Now, a lamb was worth a lot. They weren't working with dollar bills that then. You had a good lamb? That's serious. He brought his best lamb, the unblemished lamb. He brings him and he offers him to God. But what does Cain do? Cain brings the leftovers, and we'll get to that. Cain was probably looking through like, what fruit don't I need? Oh, there we go. I'll give that. I'll give that. What just came through? What slipped through the budget that I can throw in there? Cain gave the leftovers. Whose offering was God pleased with? Abel. He was pleased with Abel's offering. Then you go to Noah. What is the first thing Noah did when he came off of the ark? First of all, he got tanked. It was a long trip. He shouldn't have did it. It was wrong. But leave it to sinful man, you're on a long boat trip saving the world. The first thing you do is get bombed when you get off the ark. He gets bombed, and then he gives a sacrifice of animals. Now listen, how many people would call themselves frugal, a.k.a. cheap in here? Who's sacrificing animals when you only got two of each on an ark? But he understood that generosity before God, the offering that every good thing came from God. So he gives an offering. And it went to Abraham. What did Abraham do? He gave tenth of everything he had. Abraham was a wealthy man. And there's nothing wrong with wealth. Because God puts wealthy people in the church to help fund the church. There's nothing wrong. Like, I'm not, I'm not gifted to make money. It's just not my gift. I, I'm amazed that people are gifted to make money. Like, they just see they know how to do it. They know how to make money. I'm not that guy. I, I was made to be a preacher, a pastor, and I'll have a meager income for the rest of my life. I'm okay with that because that's how God shaped me. But some of you are shaped to make money. Some of you know how to make money. You just see, good deal, bad deal, here we go, pull out, invest, stock rising, stock going down, I know what I'm doing. Me, I'm just like, huh? Some of you, God have made you to make money to fund the church. We need you. Jo Joseph, of our, Joseph went, the rich man, made a tomb for our Savior. He was rich, he was wealthy, and he was able to bury our Savior because God gave him that kind of gift. And so sometimes God makes us wealthy to give. And Abraham was a wealthy man. King David was a wealthy man. There's nothing wrong with riches as long as they don't get a hold of your heart and you use them to fund the mission of God. So I want you guys to hear that I'm balanced. And it keeps going. Then you have the people of God. Do you know how much the people of God gave percentage of their income? And now some people are going to have a heart attack. 25% of their income went to the things of God in the Old Testament. 
They gave 10% to take care of the pastors and the priests. 10% all their money went there. 10% took care of all the feasts, right? And 3 to 5% were given to mercy. So right away, off the top, first fruit, you worked and you gave 25%. That was part of the people of God. Don't worry, I'm not telling you to give 25% today. People, don't you start getting scared in here. But I want you to understand that this was part of the fabric of the people of God. So then you get to the New Testament. Everyone, because I love people like this, they, the Bible doesn't teach tithe. I never heard a person say the Bible doesn't teach tithe who gives more than 10%. It's always these brothers trying to beat the system, right? How dare you say it says give 10%. Do you know that 10% is the least mentioned in the Bible? The least. It's between 10% and 100%. That's the floor, not the ceiling. We love that. Aren't we crazy? I'm serious. We're gone. Our hearts are all kinds of messed up. We're like, he gives 10%. He's going to change the world. That's the floor. So, and hear this point. Successful churches see 10% as the floor, not the ceiling. I want you guys to hear that. They see it as the floor, not the ceiling. Never in Scripture you'll find someone giving less than 10%. Think about the widow's might. She gave everything she had. Poor as could be. And God put her in Scriptures. So once again, I'm not going to impose a legalistic 10% on you guys today. You guys know I'm not like that. But I want us to look at truth here and really examine our hearts. And the truth is, in all of Scripture, it was between 10% and 100%. There weren't people trying to beat out the system like, gross, net, hold on, I paid that. That was charitable. That doesn't count. Like, people aren't trying to beat out the system. People are asking this question, how much can I give? Because I value the gospel of Jesus Christ so much. Unsuccessful churches try to beat the system. Successful churches try to outgive the system. Do you guys hear that? This is truth. This is the gospel. Everything else is passing away. Everything else is passing away. So let's add this. Um, that kind of radical generosity with the people of God is why the church exploded and it's roughly 2 billion people in the world today. Because people were radically generous. People were radically generous, so it changed the world. 2 billion people claim to believe in Jesus today. That started with 12 men and one Savior. Because they gave everything. The question was, how much can I keep? How much can I give? That was the kind of questions I want Restoration Road to ask itself. So let's start with this. Um, when should I give? Let's get into some practical things. When should I give regularly? Uh, I'll read a scripture to you. I, I read this to someone else the other day. Of course, it's not a tither or a giver at all. They're a leftover giver. They shake that pocket. And here we go. And I said, I read them this verse. And they said, that's in the Bible? Yes. It says, on the first day of every week which is Sunday, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the Apostle Paul's writing this, put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there'll be no collecting when I come. He was telling all the followers of Jesus, each week, God blesses your hands. He blesses your life. He gives you skills and talents to make money. Put some aside every week to give to God. So it's that regularly principle. Now, some of us get paid bi-weekly. This is not meant to be legalistic. Some of us give once a month. Some of us give bi The point is regularly. Every week. I don't want you guys to miss this because I'm responsible for God, how I teach you. God's concerned about these things. He put it throughout all scripture that our giving matters. And so weekly, regularly. Um, if you haven't made a budget and you're a grown adult, you need to start rethinking things. You've got to have a budget or you're not going to be able to give your first fruits. You can't give your first fruits if you don't know what's coming in and what's going out. You know? So you need to have a budget. Because what happens, so let me give you successful and cheerful and generous givers. They say, this is what I'm giving. 
That's at the top of the budget. So anyone know Dave Ramsey, financial piece? He gives you a budget, and the first thing on the budget is what you're giving to God, tithe and offering. You know? I want to follow successful people on giving. I don't want to follow the people who have been complaining about the church talking about money for 30 years. Please, I don't want to hang around with you anymore. You know, because it's toxic. It's toxic. He makes the budgets, and the first thing is, what am I giving to God? That's first fruit, guys. A bad budget keeping is, okay, mortgage, three vacations, um, Lone Star Steakhouse. This, you know, you make this whole budget, and then you say, okay, what's left? This is leftover giving. Trinkles out, and we give scraps, if anything, to the kingdom of God. These are the people who say, I just have no money. Brand new cars, vacations, living in a house. So if you live in a house, you're richer than 99% of the world. I don't have money to give to the kingdom of God. We need to get away from leftover giving. And we need to get to regular, weekly, first fruit giving. Amen? Secondly, why do I give? We give because this is the most valuable. God is the most valuable thing on earth. Not on earth. It's hard to explain God. God is the most valuable he is the most valuable in existence. That's how I explain it. It's hard. God's so unsearchable to even talk about. You want to make sure you're just um, very reverent. God is most valuable, valuable of all things. His church is his bride. And the mission of God is more valuable than any institution, any other institution or organization in the world. Do you guys hear that? What we saw in baptisms, how much valuable is a soul that sees Jesus Christ as a Savior? Can you put a money on Can you put... A value on that? It's the most valuable thing. It's the most valuable thing. We give because first God commands it. Secondly, it's the most valuable thing. And third, it's the best investment you can make. How many people pride yourself on being a good investor? If you're only planning on investing, investing in the next 80 years of your life, guess what? There's a whole eternity to reap rewards, and you had horrible investing mentality. What did Jesus do? He invested all in eternal. All in eternal. He said, I'm giving towards souls being saved. I'm giving towards souls being cared for. I'm giving towards the gospel being preached. I'm giving towards the gospel being advanced. That's the best investment you can make. And he wants us to be cheerful about it. If anyone's crying away the offering box, don't waste your time. <laughs> right? It's like my kids. So when it's Father's Day and when it's like my birthday, they're going to make me cards, right? So they're going to make cards. They make it with my paper. They make it with my markers. They make it in my house. But they act like they're giving me something that's theirs, right? God lets us make money. He gives us gifts. He gives us a mind. He gives us all things. And we act like the money's ours. That's the first thing. It's not your money. You're stewarding God's money to use it for the advancement of his kingdom. But my kids get all cheerful and they're like, we made you a card. And it's one of the happiest times of the year, right? They come up to me and they, they say, Dada, we made you a card. And they're such cheerful givers of this card. You know? I've never seen them walk up and say, hey, I'll make you another Father's Day card. They say, Dada, we got some for you. <laughs> and they give me a Father's Day card because they're so happy. They're cheerful givers. They love that their father provides for them and cares for them and loves them and brought them into the world. They love all those things. Natalie was part of it, but I'm trying to make a point. They love that. In their mind, this isn't <laughs> a duty or obligation that they hate doing. They're cheerful givers. In the same way, when we give online and we give in the offering box, we should be very cheerful about that. We should be very cheerful about that. It's a holy time for me every week when I get to give to the Lord. You know? 
Um, me and Natalie, we give 11.5% of our income. So I want you guys to be transparent. The worst thing is the preacher up here giving no loot, right? No transparency. This dude is telling us to give, and he's not giving any money. I live on a meager income. Most other pastors say, Joey, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't be making that. Does everyone really want to know the truth? That's the truth. Everything's transparent. You guys see the quarterly report. They're like, what are you doing? Because some of these brothers just banking. But a pastor shouldn't probably, that's a whole nother conversation. But let me tell you this, very meager. I won the first two years of giving with my very meager income. I beat you guys. I want you guys to hear that. I, I'm a competitor. And I know I can't win in this race ultimately, but it was good to win in the rookie seasons. This year, I got the bronze. So two other couples have finally got ahead. Truth is, I shouldn't be in the top 10, so this is a good sign of health for the church. But we give 11.5% of our income. We give them whether it's a bad month or not. We never withhold. Because you know what happens when you say, oh, I'm going to catch up? 99% of people never catch up. Never catch up. It's a way in our minds to make us feel better about ourselves. Like, I'll get there. I'm not giving. You never catch up. So we need to think about that. I just wanted, so why do we give? How much do I give? Asking ourselves those kind of questions. Um, they did a poll. And it was the first time they ever did a tithing poll across, across 50 states with people with varying incomes and did a poll of how good their finances were, right? Like what happened in their life, what their um, behaviors were in life. And they, so it was 4,000 people over 50 states. They were people who tithe or gave more. And this is what they found out about these people. So usually in the congregation, 5 to 20% of the people are tithers, only 5 to 20. Do you know how much of the budget they give? Tithers. 50 to 80% of the budget come from tithers. Do you know, and I, I, you guys need to hear this, if there weren't tithers, most close, churches would close in a few months. Restoration Road, if we didn't have tithers, tithers give 60% in this church. 60%. We're done by October if the tithers decided not to give. So first of all, tithers, I want to thank you that we have a church because of you. I want to thank everyone that's given anything. Really, I'm thankful anyone gives anything, but we want to mature. Do you guys hear me? This is what they found out statistically. Among non-tithing Christians who struggle, 38% say it's because they can't afford it, 33% because they have too much debt, and 18% say because their spouse doesn't agree with tithing. So that's why people don't tithe. There was another statistic in here. Okay, among tithers, 80% have unpaid credit card bills. Have no, I'm sorry, that sounded bad. 80% of people who tithe have no credit card debt. I want you to hear that first because I want us to see the reward of it. 74% don't owe anything on their cars. Because they're not be buying new cars at the stake of giving to the church. Because that's what happens when you're a tither. You're like, I'm not getting another luxury. I'm not going on another vacation because my duty is to give to the church. Okay? Um, and 20, 48% own their own home and 28% are totally debt-free. That's because there's a different mentality with tithers. And God rewards tithing. He does. Once in, I'm not putting the legalistic tithing on you guys. You guys know, I want you in your own heart not to give out a compulsion. Tithers just do better because God rewards faithful giving. You know, um, there's a guy in this church who does solar panels. 
And so we walk in the lake, so he has all these cards to give out. If you see anyone, make sure you give them this card if they need solar panels. So I wasn't thinking anything. In my mind, I'm like, I just want to help this guy out. He's trying to sell solar panels. The very next day, I'm at a job, and someone says, man, I need solar panels. I say, man, I got a card. Take this card. In my mind, it's, okay, I helped someone out. Do you know three weeks later, he walked up to me and gave me a $100 check? I said, what's this? I forgot this part of the deal. It was nice because we just went to Faneuil Hall the day before. He said, here's $100. It's a reward for giving and tithing. I want you guys to hear that. We don't give because we're going to get from God. We give because we've gotten Jesus Christ. We give because we've gotten Jesus Christ. But when we give, you are absolutely rewarded. I've never seen a faithful or generous giver begging for bread, ever. On the other hand, I've seen cheap people who are not generous, all, many of them running into troubles. I really, it's all the time. They're always losing money, something bad's always happening. I'm like, you're not being generous. You're not putting a principle in. When you give, you shall receive. When you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You can never go wrong with giving to God and His mission. You can't outgive God. Do you guys hear me? That's crazy talk. So I just want to hit some of those myths today. You will be rewarded tremendously. Don't allow these myths to get in. So let's talk in some practical stuff here. When you're thinking about your giving, I want you guys to think about this. Are you being cheerful about it? Are you happy about it? Are you just mad about it? And if you're mad about it, I want you to really ask yourself why you're mad about it. Get to your really some heart motives. Because Jesus has given us all. We should be cheerful that he allows us. Like I said to my daughter, because you try to train your daughters young, I say, Talia, you got to start giving 10% when you're young. you got to start doing this, because if you don't get it in kids' minds, they're going to be cheap all the way up through, and you're going to raise non-generous kids, and they're not going to give their money towards what's worth giving their money. You know what she looked at me and said? Only 10%? But this is how our society's got. 10% is the ceiling. Oh, my goodness. This is crazy talk. I know a drug dealer. I was sitting with him. And when he was doing good with drug dealers, he said, man, I give 10% to the poor. He said, it was so little, it didn't even bother me. A drug dealer. And here we are in the church of God, a privilege of God, and we're talking like 10% of the ceiling. It's crazy church. Crazy church. Crazy talking. We won't be successful if that's our mentality. We're not going to be successful. I believe we are going to be successful, but we got to switch it up. We got to think generous and just advance the gospel and come against the kingdom of darkness. It's got to be proportional. If you're making 200 grand and you're giving three grand a year, you really got to rethink some stuff. What is that all about? It's got to be proportional. You know, one person said to me, what if you make 50 grand? How do you get 10%? That's what I make. What am I supposed to stop giving? That's crazy talk. How dare I put my proportion percentage and say, I'm not going to give money because I only make this much. You give out of what God allows you to make. Whether it's 30, 50, 70, 100, 200, 300. You give proportional for your reward. I'm telling you stuff that gives life here. You guys know we're not trying to get your money. All our quarterly, we give our budget reports down to the coffee. Everything's transparent here. we got to give proportional to be successful. Sacrificial. It should hurt. It should hurt. God forbid you got to sacrifice a nice coffee. God forbid you have to eat out two times instead of four. It should be sacrificial. You know, like, imagine you have to sacrifice a vacation. Imagine a week of your life where you're not laughing in cherry, but you're still faithful to God. 
You know it's okay to sacrifice still? That's okay, sacrificial. Finally generous, as we said. So let's get into the practical part. I want you guys to hear how much we've given as a church. Be very practical. So our first year as a whole church, we gave $46,000. I'm glad we gave anything. I didn't know if there was going to be a church. $46,000 we gave. The second year, what we did is we switched it up a little bit. I wouldn't even mention money. So God's working on my heart. You guys know me. I want to have a heart attack every time I talk about money. Not anymore. I'm sick of it. I used to be like, I can't mention money. They're going to become one of those preachers. Do you think I'm trying to get the money? Sorry about that voice. I used to be so scared that I didn't preach on money the first year. I wouldn't even mention it in service. And know what it did? It hurt the church. It hurt the church. No one was afraid of those people that go home and say, it's all about money. And they're the cheapest people. You can't please these people. I realized I'd rather have them, you know, you can't please them. If you dictate a church by those people who complain about talking about money, the church dies. I've seen it over and over again. I want to be with the generous givers. I want to preach to you guys because you guys are keeping it going. And some of you will go from cheap to generous. And I hope that happened today. The second year, I mentioned at the end of the service, if you would be so kind to give something to church. You know how much giving went up? 12 grand. We got to 58. We're big balling now. We got to 58 grand the second year. All the pastors are looking at me like, what's wrong with you guys? I said, no, we're getting there. We're getting there. We wanted to reach on church and on church people. It takes a long time to get them generous. Right? The third year, guess how much we're giving this year? 77 grand. So we're going in the right direction, right? 46, 58, 77. Great. We're going in the right trajectory. What I want you guys to hear the need is this is what we really need to give weekly to get to the next step. We need to be given about $400 more a week. That's where we need to be. So I want you guys to hear that. So who God put in your heart to take responsibility for that. You know, what was amazing, we had a rough month last month. And I'm not just preaching because we had a rough month. I'm preaching because I didn't want to preach about money and I waited till August. And I had to preach about it twice. So I just kept pushing off. I'll preach about it next month. I'll preach about it next month. So what happened? Here we are in August and I'm preaching about money for the second time. But... um. We had a rough month. Do you know that we had one week left and we had like a $3,500 deficit for the month? People just said, I'm vacationing and forget the church. <laughs> you know? And I was like, man, for the first time ever, I have to write something. I went back and forth so much and I asked 50 times I could do, is it all right to write this? And I wrote something online saying, guys, just a call to give. Like, we need to give, guys. This is our church. And we finished strong. We still had a little deficit, but people really responded decently and, um, we finished good. We had a decent finish. Um, but what I don't want us to do is start getting in the patterns where we look at other people and say, they'll take care of the church. You know, we become freeloaders. They'll take care of the church. I'll come to church and they'll take care of it because we really need a move in that generosity. We've got to get 400 a week. And some of you, so this is the place you might be. Some of you might be obedient and generous, and this is why I told a story about putting this. Do you know who gave when we need to make up that deficit? The people who are already generous. It's always, isn't it? You got people already given 10 to 12%. They gave more. That's what happened. That's why I want to be with these people. I thought it was going to be people who hadn't given and given more. Everyone who's tremendously generous gave more. I was like, this is crazy. So we didn't have a movement with the cheap people. We had a movement with the generous people. It's, it's, it's not right, guys. 
And I want to speak without condemning you. I'm not trying to give anyone guilt, shame, or fear. You guys know I love you and it's grace. It's all grace. But we've got to talk in reality if we're going to be in healthy church. All of us have to be generous according to what God has given us. We need to give 400 more a week. We need to have a $96,000 budget next year. So really just ask yourself these questions. Now, what is the process of giving? And we're getting to the end, guys. And I'm thankful you guys are listening to, during the summer, a tough message on money. Our process is we're going to refine it. Every year, we see what's working and what's not working. And healthy churches refine it. They don't, they don't keep things the same if they're not working. So what we've noticed is from the first to the second, third year is from even not mentioning to mention it, we saw growth. What are we going to do now is those two offering baskets are coming up next to the communion tables starting on our three-year anniversary. Because what we do right now is singing is central to what we do in worship. Preaching is central to what we do in worship. Communion is central to what we do in worship. But what we're doing, I feel pastorial and leadership-wise, we're making money seem like an afterthought, at least from the way the service is structured. Do you guys hear me? Because what's happening is we're going through everything. I say, oh, by the way, could you drop some money in there? What we're doing is we're taking it. It's not an act of worship. It's just an afterthought. And if we keep an afterthought with leftover mentality, what's going to happen is people are going to treat it like that. So what we're going to do is we're not passing out the basket because I don't want you to give out a compulsion of people feel like they have to give, those kind of things. But we are going to put the barrels out of there. And starting in September, um, I'm going to make it part of the communion thing. It's a time to give and receive. It's a time, an act of worship for those who want to give. Some of you might give online so you don't put it in the basket. Some of you, it will help you to remember because I know some people forget. Some people before service, they talk to people. After service, they talk. We're going to put it up here, and people can drop it in the basket up here. As the time of worship, we're giving and receiving communion. So those are some practical steps we're going to take as a church as we continue to refine and reform what we do as a church. Because I want everyone here hearing, money is not an afterthought. Money is not a leftover. The gospel is advanced through your generosity. Amen? And now you have your gospel assignment, the final thing. Each person here, I want you to look at what you regularly give when you go home this week. And I want to ask yourself, is it proportional what God has let you make? I want to ask you if it, ask yourself, is it sacrificial what you're giving? Ask yourself, is, are you doing it cheerfully? And I want you to think through, because our fiscal year starts in September, I want to think about how you can be generous to the church this year as we continue to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Guys, thank you so much. Was I too hard? Okay, we had to talk about that, right, as a church family? Healthy relationships talk about hard things. That's what we really want to be as a church. If we never talk about this, we can't have a healthy relationship. But I'm hopeful for the future. Thank you to every person who has given a dime to Restoration Road. I want to thank you for your generosity. We're going to continue to grow. We're going in the right direction. We're going to be obedient and generous. Let's pray.